How's everybody doing? I ain't gonna lie, when, you, when you're walking over here, right? You start to hear everybody quiet down. It's, feel like you were in trouble or something, you walking over here. <laughs> if you weren't nervous before, you would get nervous walking over here and it's all quiet. Man, but I'm excited to be with y'all this morning. Anybody excited to be here this morning? Man. You know, I pray that you've been enjoying these past several weeks and it's, it's really been a blessing to me for one, because I don't have to be in front of y'all, you know what I'm saying? But no, nah, but really it's allowed me to rest but, man, it, it, didn't they do such a good job? Can we just give a hand for Geneva and Shauna and Justin and Jaden? Man, I, I thought they did a wonderful job. And it reminded me of a song, okay? And if you're young, you're probably not going to know this song, okay? So the Gen Zs that hide in the back, you're not going to know this. But some of my older people, do y'all remember that song? It was called The Wind Beneath My Wings. Anybody know that one? Anybody know the words? Nah, me neither. But, you know, just witnessing them share and give the message and even just things that I see within this church, man, it just, man, it gives me so much life and just energy to see everyone else growing, embracing the things that God puts before them. And that's the thing, church. I, I say this all the time, but the church isn't one person, right? It's a body. It takes up all of us to see God move in huge ways and We've been seeing God move in some huge ways. And something that I was going to share with our volunteers that work in the kids' ministry is this week we have baptisms coming up, which I messed up last week. I told everybody it was last week. It was actually this week. So my bad. That's my public apology to everybody. But we have 11 people signed up to get baptized. That's awesome, right? The cool thing is of those 11 people, eight of them come from our youth. Eight of them come from our kids, from our elementary classes. And so it just shows that, man, the work that they are doing and pouring into those kids, man, is making an eternal difference, not only in their life, but even in their families. And so it excites me, okay? And so, man, just, man, it's been an encouraging this, this past several weeks just to see this. And, uh, man, I'm excited to bring the word to you this morning. But let's pray. And then I'll reveal some things that God had been putting on my heart. Father, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you that every day we wake up, there's a reason to smile. There's a reason to say, thank you, Lord. There's a reason to, to see the blessings that you have. And sometimes, Father, we get too busy in life and we overlook it. We miss it. And we're just not focused on it. And so just, man, help us focus on what you're doing in our life. Help us focus on where you are working and how we could join you in that work and how we can remove ourselves out of blocking you from what you're trying to do. And so, Lord, would you just speak to us this morning? Would we hear your voice? And would you just continue to push us forward? Help us leave behind things that are no longer a part of us and help us walk into what you have in front of us. So, Father, we just thank you and we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this time that I've been off, right, you know, a lot of times I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to be reading? And so I'm you know, flipping through the Bible. And he kept taking me back to the Old Testament. And a lot of times when you talk to people about what they're reading, they're like, that's the last thing they want to go back and do is read from the Old Testament. But God was like, man, there is so much that you can learn when you go back, right? Man, there is so much you can learn from your past. But he also gave me this warning, okay? It's not a place you're intended to stay. Okay, that's a word for somebody. You're not supposed to stay in who you were before you met God. You're not supposed to stay there. Because what does the enemy do? He likes to bring up the past, right? 
He always trying to throw it in your face. You got to tell him, hey, man, that's, that's the old me. I don't live there anymore. That's not a part of who I am. And even people sometimes, man, we love people. We want their support. But sometimes they are the worst critics. And what do they do? They do the same thing, right? They start projecting the old you. I don't know, man. You said this, but you're probably going to go back to doing this. And they're like, no, 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 no. Okay. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a new creation. He calls me son. He calls me daughter. And it's a beautiful thing whenever you could break the free from not staying in your past, but learn from your past. And so as I've been reading, I've been in the book of Ezra, and it's way back at the beginning in the Old Testament. And if you know anything about Ezra and his story and what was going on, it's a powerful move of God. But I'll just set the scene for you. It's, it's coming at a time that Israel are still slaves, okay? They're being oppressed. They are captive, but they're no longer under the Babylonian rule. That has been thrown over by the king of Persia. And at this time, we're going to be reading in chapter 7 when King Exerzertes is reigning. But there was a lot to dive into even before we get to chapter 7. Because uh, what you see is they were slaves, they were oppressed, and God was still working in their situation. And, and that's a word for us today because there are going to be people that are in authority over you, right? But they ain't the main person in the charge, okay? That's something we have to remind ourselves that even when we find ourselves in foreign land, we find ourselves in a place that they are trying to oppress us or they're trying to make us do things that are not what we want to do, God is still in control. And we see that in the first several chapters. You see that God did a work that he allowed them to return home to Jerusalem. That in fact, he gave them enough favor that they allowed them to go and rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. But then opposition rose up against them. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 7 when it introduces Ezra. And that's the crazy thing about this book is Ezra's name doesn't even get mentioned until chapter 7, but it's titled after him. So you want to know why that's so powerful? Because a lot of times your story had been written way before you came into this world, okay? A lot of times God was already arranging things for this moment where you're at right now. And that's so powerful, church. Because when you have the hand of God on your life, man, he can do some things that just, it blows you away. It doesn't make sense. And that's what we see here in this book, in this text, man, is that God does a work that doesn't make sense. And work that's way bigger than what we could imagine. So I wanted you to know that today. That the history of your past can't keep you from the calling that God has on your life, okay? The history of your family can't keep you from what God has in store for you. Even the enemy that is going to rise against you is no match for what God can do whenever you live according to his word. And so that's the first thing that we have to learn, church, that when we have God's hand on our life, we receive a hand to get through life. Amen. Can anybody use a hand? Can anybody use a hand in their finances, in a relationship, in some difficult people at work, in that boss? And that person that cut you off in traffic coming this morning, can anybody use a hand of God this morning? I'm telling you, it's a hand to get through life. And so Ezra, if you don't know anything about him, he was a priest. He was a scribe. And this simply means that he was in charge of leading the Israelites into understanding the word of God and applying it to their life. And the word at that time, they didn't have the Bible like we did, but they had what they called the laws of Moses. And this is simply instructions that God personally gave to Moses. And he said, hey, I want you to go and share this with the people. 
tell them to read this, to be studying this, to be learning this, to be applying this, so we can stay in good relationship. Because you know anything about a relationship, they're not easy, right? If you're not doing your part, it could fall apart real easy. And so that's what we read, is that Ezra is in charge of this. And he's doing that. But like I said, he's a foreigner. He's in a foreign land. He's in a place that they want nothing to do with his kind. They want nothing to do with his lifestyle or even his faith. Does that sound familiar at church? Because don't we desire to fit in the places that we're at? Don't we want to be a part and just be accepted, whether it's at that job, whether it's even in our own family, whether it's just in this world? But something we need to learn from this book is that's not always going to be the case. In fact, it shouldn't be the case. And there's a reason why. You see, because when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he calls you to be set apart. He calls you to stand out. So that means sometimes, even within your own family, you're going to be a little different, okay? I mean, sometimes at work, people are going to say, I don't understand why they are so calm and patient. How come they not tripping like I am? You're going to be different than with everybody else. But that's not a bad thing, and that's not a lonely thing, okay? Because there's a room full of people right here that I see that are made to stand out, that are made to stand up. So even if you find yourself in that position, man, know that the hand of God is with you. And that's a hand that can get through a lot. And so I want us to read in verse 6 of chapter 7 as it talks about this. It says, This Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the laws of Moses, which of the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. And he came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. Did you catch what that said? It said the king gave him everything he asked for, for the gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. See, if you want to receive the hand of God on your life, that means you have to make it personal with him. That means you have to make him your God. He can't be a different brother's God. He can't be your abuita's God. It can't be your cousin's God. It has to be yours. And that's a difficult thing, right? Because we know that God moves through our prayers. He moves through believers. And we know that if some believing people pray for me, that God is going to make a move. But the thing is, church, it's not going to be as great as it could be if you made him your God, if you did the praying, if you went seeking him, if you were the one saying, God, I need you to move through this situation. I asked for their prayer, but I'm calling on you. I'm asking you. I'm making you mine. Because when you have that, what do we see here? Even your enemies will bless you. Man, ain't that powerful? The same person that has you and oppressing you is saying, man, whatever you need, I got you. I'll take care of it. Man, that's powerful. But let's continue to read. In verse 9 and 10, it says this. He arranged to leave Babylon on April the 8th and for the first day of the new year. And he arrived, he arrived in, at Jerusalem on August the 4th. For the gracious hand of his God was on him. And this was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. So God's hand was on Ezra because he made him his own. But he also made it a priority to be with him. 
See, it's not enough that we make them our own. We got to be making a priority to put work in our relationship with him. And that's what we see here. You know, back when I was younger, okay, which was a long time ago, but not long ago, okay? <laughs> Depends who you ask, right? You tell your children how old you are. They're like, dang, you that old? I didn't think you was that old. I'm like, I ain't even know. But we used to say this thing back in the day, though, when people were coming and taking you, you're crazy. You'd be like, man, talk to the hand. Does anybody remember that? Anybody used to say that? Man, talk to the hand. I ain't trying to hear none of that. Uh-uh. The funny thing about that, though, church, is sometimes we be doing that to God. And that's just being real. Sometimes we tell God that we want him to work in our situation. And he's like, hey, I want you to do this. And we're like, hold up, hold up, God. I'm going to go this way. Don't tell me what, hold up now. Does that sound familiar? We ask God to come and we're to do a work in us. We, the Holy Spirit will bring something on your heart. He'll bring some correction. And we're like, hold up, I ain't trying to hear that right now. Let me, let me finish what I'm doing. And then I'll go to you and I'll take care of that. We start giving a hand to God. Church, we have to be careful that we're not trying to be God to God, okay? We're not trying to tell him what to do and how to do things because that's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. And we see this with Ezra. He showed, man, when you make him yours, when you put him first, when you surrender to him, when you submit to him, when you say, God, I'm following your direction. I'm waiting for your voice to move. I'm not doing this without you. We start to see God work in ways that don't make sense. And I want to show you even more of how that could come in your life. The next verses and later down the chapter, verse 20 and 21, it says this. If you need anything else for your God's temple or for any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. I, Exerdes the king, hereby send this de decree to all the treasurers in the province west of the Euphrates. You are to give Ezra, the priest and the teacher of the law of God of heaven, whatever he requests of you. When you read this chapter 7, what you discover is that King Exerdes, who is the enemy, he said, not only, Ezra, can you return home, can you rebuild this temple, but look, I'm going to give you some money to take care of it. But not only am I going to do that, I'm going to make sure that you have the animals you need to sacrifice. You know what? Not only am I going to do that, I'm going to make sure you have the supplies, okay? You're going to have the cups and all the utensils that you need. But you know what? God is just putting on wire. He's, he, your God has been working on me, and he said not only to do that, but to make sure that everybody you come across knows that you have my approval. That if you need something, they could ask it, and it's yours. Man, that's crazy, church, what the hand of God could do in your life when you allow him in, when you walk with him. Because even as you get to the end of the chapter, is what you discover. He says, you know what, Ezra, that's not enough. In fact, if anybody rises up against you or doesn't do what I request, what I decree, then you have the authority to imprison them. You have the authority to kill them. You have the authority to confiscate what they own. You have all the authority. And I want you to raise up some people to be in charge to help you oversee all this. You see, church, that's a lesson for us. That when we have the hand of God in our life, like I said, your enemies will bless you, okay? You will walk in the doors that you have no business being in. I don't know how many times I sit at tables and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I am the youngest dude. I got more tattoos than everybody combined. Like, God, why you got me in this room with these people? Like, these are some high-rolling people. And you know, I just rolled up in here like I barely, barely made it to this meeting. But that's the thing of God. 
is he can give you a provision that you can't even accumulate for yourself. Man, that's the type of God that we serve. That's the type of hand that is on your life when you walk with him. It's a hand to get through life, no matter what comes against you. Man, it's powerful. But that's not the only thing we see here. Because just because you have these experiences with God, it doesn't mean we stay faithful to God. And that's the sad truth. No matter how many times God shows up in our life and he does things, it doesn't mean that you or myself will remain faithful. Because how many times have you seen God work in your life and then the next day you messed it up? The next day you return to something he said to let go of. That sound familiar? Well, I want you to know you're not alone, church. I struggle with that. We all do. And we see that the people in Israel did as well. And so I want you to understand that it takes more than experience with God to remain faithful to God. You see, when Ezra came, right, and they said, man, you know what, Ezra, everything is good. We got all the things it's accounted for. We're ready to go. Man, you would think Ezra would be fired up. He's excited. But then some other people came and said, Ezra, I got some bad news, bro. You are not going to believe what happened. And he's like, well, what's going on? He says, man, you know everybody else that had already been here before us? He's like, well, yeah, the people working on the temple, right? He's like, yeah, they ain't been working on the temple, bro. They ain't been handling the business. In fact, they're doing the very thing that led us to being slaves in the first place. It wasn't enough that they learned from the past, that they learned from those who did against God. They were actually doing it themselves. That's a lesson for all of us, church, because those same people knew that it was God that led them to return home, that it was God that allowed them to rebuild the temple, that it was God that was making a way, but they still weren't faithful to God. It could happen to us too. As soon as we walk out this door, right? You ever came to church and then you walk right back out that door and you're a whole different person? It's real easy, church. I want us to see what Ezra does, though. In chapter 9, verse 3 and 5, it says this. When I heard this, I tore my clothes and my shirt. I pulled my hair from my head and my beard. I sat down utterly shocked. Then all who trembled at the words of God of Israel came and sat with me because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. And I sat there utterly appalled until the time of the evening sacrifice. At the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I sat in the morning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees and I lifted my hands to the Lord, my God. Man, we talked about it. The Israelites knew that the reason they were there wasn't because of them. They still messed up. They knew rebuilding the temple wasn't because of them. They still messed up. They knew the reason they were in captivity and exiled, but still they chose to do the very thing that got them in trouble in the first place. Church, I want you to know if it wasn't for you back then, it's not going to be for you now. It's not going to be for you now. I know a lot of times we think seasons change, people change, circumstances change, they do. But what wasn't working then is not going to work now. A lot of times we have some really good yesterdays and we forget that we have to start over today. It's a new day. You don't have today in the bag as much as we wish that we did. You have to start over. You have to pick back up. And that's hard for all of us, right? Because sometimes... You, 
the yesterdays were so high, they were so good. Man. And then, like I said, you get cut off in traffic, and you're like, this fool here. <laughs> On your way to church. You might be yelling in your car, cussing them out on the way up here. You lucky I'm going to church. Pray for you. God is patient, man. He's merciful, but he's not dumb. He's not deaf. He's not blind. He's going to let you make your own choices, your own decisions. And yes, he will forgive you. But that doesn't mean that he's giving you a pass to do anything that you want or to wild out or to be acting a fool, to be cussing people out. That no correction is going to come from it. You see, what you find here is wrong is wrong. No matter what time of the day it is, no matter if you're doing it by yourself and nobody else sees it, no matter if you're doing it in a group, wrong is still wrong and it always will be. And the truth is, none of us are immune from messing up. But the thing Ezra did was just mind-blowing to me because this is a man that wasn't doing any of that. But yet, their actions still brought him to his knees. You see, the closer that you get with God, the more personal you become with God, the more you start to see things you need to work on, the more you didn't realize how much of a mess you really are the more you start to see some moral failures that you have been overlooking for years. And that's a tough situation to face. It's, it's tough to look at. But it's so needed to transform into who you can be. Man. And God loves you enough to walk with you through that. That's a loving God. Because I don't know how if you got kids, but I'm impatient with my kids. I was getting on to them earlier before church even started. I said, what are y'all doing? Y'all know we finna have service and y'all got a whole theater concert going on in this classroom. Like, come on, guys. We all mess up. But we can learn from Ezra that we can always be forgiven. We can always be better. We can always grow to it. And the thing that really messed me up is that he didn't even do it and he was doing it for them. It's like, man, you know, we, we say we love our brothers and sisters a lot of times, but if we're honest, we do a lot more talking than we do praying for them. And that's something I was convicted of. You know, I have a brother that's in the penitentiary right now, and he writes me letters. You know, I send him money, I write him letters. And a lot of times when I get his letters, I'm like, man, I hope I hear some good news or something. And it's never what I'm expecting, never. And a lot of times I'm like, man, really? And I start complaining to God, and God's like, yo, when is his afflictions going to bring you to your knees where you're crying out that I would move in his life. And I said, hmm, you're right, Lord. When's the last time you did something that brought you to your knees? And you said, God, I don't even know, but I lift my hands to you. And I just ask that you would help me with this. That family member that's been battling. That, oh, man, they returned back to them? Oh, man, I knew they was, nah, man, when are you going to get on your knees and cry out to the Lord to move through their life? Man. It's going to take more than an experience with God to remain faithful to God, church. Yeah, he could heal us. He could deliver us. He could bless us. He could provide. He could save us. It's going to take us embracing his hand, though, to remain faithful. It's going to take us choosing to walk with him daily. It's going to take us 
pausing and saying, okay, God, I'm not moving until you say to move. I'm not even come to you into prayer until I feel like I'm in a place that I'm, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Because a lot of times we do all the talking when it comes to praying. We don't do no listening. We show up and we already telling God our agenda. Okay, Lord, I need you to move it this and do that and do this. It's like, come on. I just want you to sit with me and talk with me. It's going to take more than experience, church. But there's some hope. You see, through confession and correction, it can lead to restoration no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on with that family member, that person that you care about, that love, we could experience his hand of restoration when we give him our confessions, when we give him our ability to walk in correction. And the next chapter, chapter 10, after Ezra gets, gets done and he's praying this long prayer and confessing all these things of how God has been so kind and so gracious, like he ought to just wipe the earth with them, but he's not doing it we start to see something happen with the people around him. In chapter 10, verse one, it says, when Ezra prayed and made this confession, weeping, lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God, a very large crowd of people from Israel, men, women, children, gathered and wept bitterly with him. That's so good, church. Because the truth is, man, you can't address what you don't, you can't, Address what you don't confess. And we see that before Ezra and them showed up, they were supposed to be rebuilding the temple. It didn't happen. So it's like, man, what was the the deal? They were led away. And it took Ezra breaking down for them to realize of their own actions. You see, that's the thing sometimes, church. Sometimes we don't realize the things that we've done until we see somebody else paying for it until we realize the pain and the trail of destruction that we've led behind. That's a tough thing, church. You don't ever wanna be in that place. I've been in that place too many times in my life where I I was like, man, this ain't affecting nobody, this is on me. Not realizing that there was people crying and weeping behind closed doors on my behalf. It doesn't have to go that far, church. You don't have to walk through that. You don't have to wait until you see somebody else in pain because of you. When you read the rest of chapter 10, what you discover is that a portion of the leaders and the priests were the ones that were messing up. They were leading the people to go and marry these other ladies in the land that worship these other gods and have children with them. And because of it, it messed up everything that God was trying to do. And it messed up what God was doing. It messed up the temple being rebuilt. And the crazy thing is, the way that they were arising up against them and the things they were bringing up was their past. They brought up their past to stop them from their future, to put a pause in what God was doing in the present. And it led to them returning to things they had no business being mixed up with. And when you read this, you know, a lot of times you read names in the Bible, right? And you say, oh, there's a name, there's a family. It blew my mind because God was just revealing to me, like, look, man, when you don't nip this in the butt, when you don't take care of this, look how it spreads. It could go to your brother. It could go to your children. It could go to your Theo. It could spread into your family. It could come generations and generations to follow. 
And when you read the end of chapter 10, you see that. You start reading off the names of the priests, of the leaders, of all the different people that had turned their back against the one that had always been for them. Man. The only way we could address our mistakes is when we allow God to work in them, when we start bringing them to him, allow him to change us through them. The next two verses in chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, we see something happen, though. It says, Then Shechaniah, son of Jael, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We've been faithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land, but in spite of this, there is hope for Israel. Let us now make a covenant with God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. We will follow the advice given by you and by the others who respect the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law of God. So even when you find yourself in that situation or you find that loved one in that situation, what did we just read? He said, there's still hope. It's not over yet. It could end with us. It could end with them. It doesn't have to continue on. That same cycle of alcohol that has been in your family and been with all the men, it doesn't have to pass on to your son. That same thing that you were raised in, all that trauma that we were brought up in, it doesn't have to be passed on to your children. It could end with you. It doesn't have to continue on. But we need some people to raise up like Shechaniah. We all need to be like that, right? Admit when we messed up and said, okay, we got to fix this. We got to do something about this. Shechaniah said, we need to make a covenant. You see, back in those days, that's not something they did lightly. It's something they meant a lot to them. It's something they took seriously. Nowadays, we got people breaking promises like candy bars, okay? Like it ain't nothing. But a covenant was meaningful. It's something that God was going to hold you to until fulfillment. It's like a binding contract. But that's the thing, church. Shechaniah, he said, man, we got to get serious about this. That's something we all got to do, church. We all got to look in that mirror. We got to have some serious moments with God, whatever that looks like. A lot of times we take a lot of things seriously, right? Oh, text playing. I got to go watch the game. I'll talk to you later. We, we be serious about the most dumbest stuff. Stranger Things 4 is out. I'm going home right now. My Ben watched the whole show. I can't go to church today. It just came out. It just dropped this morning. We're serious about a lot of things, man. But when we get serious about confession, when we get serious about receiving correction from the Lord, we start to see them Ezra things happen in our life with the hand of God on you. Church, does anybody want to see that happen in what's going through in your life right now? Does anybody want the hand of God to move through that? Man. That's what I want for myself, for my children. But it takes us getting real. And so that's my challenge for all of us this week, is that we would hold on to the gracious hand of God. One, we would acknowledge that, man, he is working in our life even when we don't realize it, that he is so good. He allowed me to come to church this morning. He allowed me to be able to have the ability to walk and sit down. He gave me breath this morning, man. So people didn't wake up tomorrow morning, but the Lord said, I'm going to give you another day. There's a lot to receive from the Lord. But it also takes recognizing when you messed up. 
Because that's the thing. When you walk with the Lord, he's going to show you, hey, I don't step that way. Oh, man, you don't step that way. What did we just talk about? We got to learn to receive his correction. We got to learn to go and address things and confess to him. That's how we're going to hold on to his hand. That's how we're going to enter those doors that we have no business walking in. We got to hold on to his hand, church. Even for those family members that we know are struggling. You know, the men in my family, I'm just be honest with you. We come from some things, man. Some things that were passed on to me that I grew up in that I thought was just normal as part of life. God said, nah, I, ain't, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for your children. And now sometimes me and my wife be talking and my kids, I love them to death, but they got no concept of what we be talking about. Dad, nobody loved when you were little, huh? Nobody loved you. You were poor, huh, Dad? You were poor, you didn't have nothing? I was like, you lived in jail, didn't you, Dad? You lived in jail? Kids, man. But I love that their concept, it doesn't even, they don't even understand it. They have no clue. The other day, I was just at home, and, like, I was just hearing them laughing and playing, and I was just like, man, that's what it's about. Them just being able to be kids. Thank you, Lord, that it stopped with me. Thank you, Lord, that even when I mess up, I can bring this to you. You're going to correct me in a way that's going to make me a better father, make me a better husband, make me a better brother, a better person. Hold on to the gracious hand of God, church. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you how gentle you are with us. I think about the times when I read the Old Testament, man, you used to take people out. But with us, you're kind, you're patient, you're loving, you're tender. And Father, you know we need it. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would just be real with you, Lord. That even though the shame and guilt may be attached to the things that we do, that we would leave it at your feet and we wouldn't walk with it any longer. That the only label that we would carry is the one that you give us. That we would live out the name that you call us, your son, your daughter. That we would confess these things, we would walk in correction, we would hold tightly to your hand, we would cling to you, Lord. Because we know that, man, our life is going to be so much better if we just walk with you. You're going to give us a hand to get through life. No matter who's trying to oppress us, no matter what foreign land we find ourselves in, you're a present, you're a moving, and you would do what only you can. So, Father, just help us walk with you, not just today on a Sunday morning or an afternoon, but every day of our life. Help us learn to confess to one another, to be there for one another and truly love each other. Father, we just thank you. We're humbled by you. And we just pray you get all the glory in all this. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a tough message I got to give y'all, but it's because I love y'all, man. I love y'all a lot. And I love y'all so much, I want to try to walk this out with y'all today. So everybody don't get so scared just yet. So we're going to turn on these house lights. We're going to pass out some index cards, and we're going to do two things, right? Everybody's going to get an index card. I want you to write two things. I want you to write what you are thankful for because you see the hand of God is working currently. We're not going to talk about things in the past. We're going to talk about what God is doing right now today. So whatever that looks like for you, let's, let's, we're going to do that. We're going to write it on a card. And then we're going to flip it to the other side, and we're going to confess. 
we're going to receive some correction and say, God, what are you telling me I need to do better? What am I messing up? What am I holding too tightly that I need to let go? What am I blocking out that you keep saying to me? We're going to do that, and then we're going to break up in a circle. We're going to break up in little circles. We're going to share with each other, if you're comfortable, okay, the things you're grateful for and the things you want to pray for, okay? And we're going to pray for one another, and then we'll go into a time of worship. So, brother, will you turn on the house lights for us? Can I get a couple people to pass out some index cards and some pens? And just take some time. Say, God, okay. And if you want to, you can break up in groups right now, okay? Everybody get y'all some people to hang with. So don't be two people to yourselves. Y'all break up in some groups.